This is the Sport Market, featuring the bulls and bears of sport business from coast to coast. Here's your host, Tom Manette. It is hockey day in Canada. Obviously, it'll wind up being a hockey night in Canada when the Calgary Flames host the Edmonton Oilers. Four games involving Canada's seven Canadian-based franchises. Canada's seven franchises, the so-called Group of Seven. So a lot of engagement on the hockey front this weekend. It all gets underway with the Winnipeg Jets at the Ottawa Senators. Jets go into that game 29-10-4, 62 points, 9-1 in their last 10. They've got the third best record overall in the National Hockey League. Up against the Senators, who are 16-24. Sens are out of consideration. They've had a very disappointing first half. It's all for the spoils now. But the Jets, arguably, have played as balanced a first half of NHL hockey as any of the seven Canadian teams. But the Vancouver Canucks are right there, and actually they're the top-seeded Canadian franchise going into Hockey Day in Canada, getting to 30 wins faster than at any other time in their more than 50-year history in the National Hockey League. They're 30-11-4, in their last 10. They're up against... The Toronto Maple Leafs, who've had a tough Western swing, a tough road trip. They wind up getting the two points against the Calgary Flames, but they've been empty-handed until then. Now it's Toronto-Vancouver, always a popular matchup, and this weekend it's all part of Hockey Day in Canada. Wall-to-wall television with the seven teams as opposed to the eight. The Montreal Canadiens are the odd men out, so to speak, in that they're playing the Boston Bruins. And if it's not going to be another Canadian matchup, it might as well be an original six showdown between those two arch rivals. Now, I'm quibbling, but the only thing that would make Hockey Day in Canada even better is if that was a home game at the Bell Centre in Montreal with the Bruins traveling to Montreal to play. Instead, it's the Habs at the TD Garden in Boston. Four games packaged back-to-back on Hockey Day in Canada, all anchored out of Victoria. Now, Keith Wells of the Greater Victoria Sport Tourism Commission was probably imagining beautiful uh, uh, blue skies, great spring-type weather, and showcase that across the country. Well, it hasn't exactly worked out that way. That's why he's an amazing broadcaster and and sport tourism marketer and not a meteorologist. (laughs) But it still is a pretty cool opportunity for Victoria to be showcased across the country this way. We'll get into more of that in just a couple of moments. We've also got the sport professor, Rick Horrell. He'll be joining us in about 15 minutes' time. He's a visiting sport business expert at Harvard University. We'll also be joined by our collectibles guru, our trading card expert, Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. He'll talk about the Tom Brady Bowman Refractor. It went, the one one of one, it went for almost $200,000 at Golden Auction earlier this week. This is for a card 
That was the what if 95 card. If Tom Brady had opted to play baseball professionally instead of go on to a seven Super Bowl ring career with the New England Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you're talking 1995 was the year that the Expos drafted Brady. It's amazing that a card will have transacted for that number so early in its lifespan. Normally you go vintage to get those kinds of numbers. Tom Brady is hardly vintage. As Pedro Martinez pointed out, he basically told uh, uh, media in Boston that if the Montreal, if Tom Brady had played baseball with the Expos, he'd still be an Expo and they would have never left Montreal. Talk about retrospective pressure from Pedro Martinez. We also... We'll have our penny stocks, some of the smaller sport business storylines that make it to the big board. We got the sport market power rankings as well, some hot stuff, our weekly merchandising and apparel report. And we'll also check in on the Billion Dollar Club, some franchises worth 10 figures. But we'll start things off with an opening bell commentary. Hockey is a big part of the DNA of Canada. Listen, all kinds of strides by both basketball and soccer in terms of participation, in terms of fan engagement, and a really strong presence, football. Both Canadian Football League three-down style and an increasingly young fan base that is connected in a big way to the National Football League. But with all due respect to the footballs, the basketballs, and the soccers of the Canadian sport business landscape, hockey is still the top seed. It is still the biggest sport from a corporate point of view. It's a big, the biggest sport from an overall television point of view. And it's all showcased on a day like today, Hockey Day in Canada, presented by Rogers. And it's four games back to back to back. It's such a great showcase for Canada's seven NHL franchises. And the only thing that would make it better, just like the CFL going to 10 teams for symmetry, it would be so great to get that eighth Canadian team to go four and four instead of having to invite the Boston Bruins along for the ride. Is that Quebec City? Is that a second franchise in Toronto? You never say never. And if there's one thing I've learned in, in my years in the business of sport, in the business of business, you never say never. So let's celebrate today and Victoria's hosting of Hockey Day in Canada. But let's dream of an eighth Canadian franchise so that you'd have that kind of symmetry on a day like today, Hockey Day in Canada. Here's our podium. Now, with the top three sports business stories of the week, here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at alpinecredits.ca. For background on the stories, go to thesportmarket.biz. Just a podium. The Chicago Red Stars conclude a five-year deal with Mallory Swanson, that will pay her $2.5 million, $500,000 a year, U.S. Yet another tipping point in how increasingly serious the business of women's sport is within the business of sport. 
quick little sidebar. PWHL, the Professional Women's Hockey League, uh, in just over two weeks of play, there's been 60,000, more than 60,000 tickets sold to those games. Almost half of them in Minnesota. Real good effort in Minneapolis-St. Paul in favor of women's hockey. In the bronze medal position, our number three sport business story of the week Amazon Prime moves forward to partner with Bally's and could very well rescue Diamond Sports. Yesterday, very early in the morning, Bally Sports announced a deal had reached with some creditors and Sinclair and others that would allow Amazon to invest in Bally Sports and get rights for all the streaming. So the direct to consumer streaming service right now, Bally Sports Plus, where you pay a monthly fee to get streaming rights for a bunch of NBA, NHL, and MLB games would now be streamed by Amazon. This is per a uh, pending a judge approval, but there's a big catch here. And that is that um, part of this is Bally Sports wants to terminate its new contract with Major League Base or with the NBA and NHL and go back to the original contract. And this is an effort for Bally Sports not to just go through this current season because those two contracts would have ended at the um, end of the to- current MLM. BA and NHL, excuse me, contracts. There was also a proposed deal for the um, Major League Baseball that would saw its TV rights return back to um, the MLB teams at the end of the next uh, 2024 season. That is also probably not going to happen. That's Cord Cutter News breaking down the Amazon Bally proposed partnership. Of course, this still needs to get the I's dotted and the T's crossed, but it's definitely a much better situation for for Bally and Diamond Sports than it was even just a week ago. We'll get into more of that with the sport professor Rick Horo in just a few minutes' time. In the silver medal position, our number two sport business story of the week. NFL TV numbers continue to rock and roll. And Peacock, although it's the lowest watched of the um, three wildcard games, uh, the six wildcard games last weekend, it's still the most streamed event in, in history in the United States. The 11, Mahomes, running across, Rice brings it in to the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. What an opening drive. And then one, Tua fakes and takes the shot down. Field for Hill. Got to come back. Tyreek got it inside the 10. Keeps running to the end zone. Touchdown, Tyreek. The uh, return of Tyreek Hill to uh, Arrowhead Stadium didn't work out the way the Dolphins had hoped. Chiefs win. They advanced to a game in the snow against the Buffalo Bills. First road game in Patrick Mahomes Jr.'s Career, which is an incredible statistic in and of itself, and he's already won. See what Josh Allen and the Bills can do with that. It is the biggest streamed event in, in American history 23 million. Now, that's low as we said it would be here on this show last week. But it is still a tipping point for streaming. And it's just a validation that you're going to see a lot more of this kind of stuff as streaming continues to gain ground. We'll get into that also with the sport professor Rick Oro in just a few moments. But our gold medal story, the number one sport business story of the weekend, it's a disappointing one for a lot of baby boomer sports fans. It could be the end of Sports Illustrated. The Arena Group sends an email out on Friday indicating that 
most, if not all, Sports Illustrated employees will be laid off since Authentic Brands Group has canceled, revoked the marketing license that allows Arena Group to produce and publish Sports Illustrated. To Sports Illustrated, my former employer, a childhood artifact and icon to so many of us, and I am filled with rage and depression because Sports Illustrated is not just the foremost journalism brand in the history of sports. It is also sports itself to so many of us. And so what the Arena Group and the Authentic Brands Group have done, handed this organization and all of its history, great writing, iconic covers, photography, just the way that sports was chronicled in America and running it into the ground without any conscience, using fake writers and also laying off everybody today, is not just a nightmare, it is something that they should never get to forget because you were handed this institution and you failed, and that is your fault. Absolutely your fault. That's Pablo Torre of Around the Horn on ESPN, and certainly some passionate words there from the former SI staffer. It's our gold medal story. There's still more questions than answers. We'll try to get some of those answers with Rick Horo, the visiting sport business expert at Harvard University, next, right here on the Sport Market, where we're rating and debating the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Sport Market. Rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Why do you have the damn job? Because if you got everything you need, what the hell you lose like that for? And Jerry Jones making the decision to keep him when Bill Belichick is on the on, is, is, is available with six championships on his resume. Recognizing the fact that he doesn't necessarily need to head a franchise in terms of being the GM and making player personnel decisions. I don't know why you're Jerry Jones and you don't consider that. Because you know he wasn't going to go for it because Parcells wasn't trying to hear it. Because Jimmy Johnson wasn't trying to hear it. Because you got a guy in Mike McCarthy that will capitulate to every whim that you throw out. I'm very disappointed in Jerry Jones. The one and only Stephen A. Smith of ESPN with his takeaway on the Cowboys Shocking loss, not just disappointing loss, but shocking loss to Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. Packers advance to play the San Francisco 49ers, who are in the spotlight of our Billion Dollar Club. The Billion Dollar Club. The highest valued franchise remaining in contention for a Super Bowl championship is the heritage brand that is the San Francisco 49ers. They've already got basically five Super Bowls to their credit. You've got the Steve Young era. You've got the Joe Montana era. It is pretty special stuff, and that's why the TV numbers for Green Bay Packers against the San Francisco 49ers will be significant. The 49ers are valued by Forbes magazine at $6 billion U.S. And certainly under Brock Purdy, the last available player, the so-called Mr. Irrelevant, They've made quite the mark this NFL season. We've got Rick Horo that we're getting set up with here. He's a visiting sport business expert at Harvard University and certainly will get his thoughts on the NFL side of things. Also, the growth of hockey south of the border. And we'll bring that up with Rick on this Hockey Day in Canada. Four games Back to back to back 
on Hockey Night in Canada, presented by Rogers, it becomes a full day of it right across the board. Rick Horo is the visiting sport business expert at Harvard University. And Rick, listen, we got a lot of grounds to cover in a short period of time, but I wanted you to start us off with your perspectives on the business side of the wild card weekend, most notably glass half full on the Peacock exclusive or glass half empty? Half full for everybody except in Congress. Uh, <laughs> the fans will like it. Uh, because when they really understand it, you know, they can apply for the $5 free trial and then, you know, get it back or forget it after a month. And if they're fans, they understand that this is something that's going to happen no matter what, uh, from the perspective of the, uh, uh, league, $110 million for the whole thing. So we understand that. And, you know, NBC gets 23 million viewers, but a subscription base for Peacock is over 30 million. And my sense will be that there will be a Peacock kind of game in the first six every weekend. And now we have another window, by the way. We're not going to have, we're not, we're not going to have seven windows because you only have six games. But, you know, that's sliding from Saturday because of snow. And you all know about snow. But it was the unintended consequences is, you know, every second Monday uh, on January is Martin Luther King Day in America. And that now should become holiday viewing for two, two, and two, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And the half empty, very half empty, is the NBA. I mean, God forbid they can't catch a break. Their first triple, quadruple, quintuple header of the season falls on Christmas, as every year. But it falls on Sunday, so the NFL diluted them. And here we go now, the NFL uh, making Monday a regular viewing on Martin Luther King Day, which is traditionally an NBA day too as well. They, they can't win for losing. I agree with you, Rick. Uh, very much glass half full on the Peacock, uh, let's say, experiment. Uh, I think the numbers uh, indicate a success story for everybody involved. Uh, you know, we knew it wasn't going to be 40 million like Cowboys against Packers. We knew it wasn't going to be 35.8 million like Detroit Lions and Los Angeles Rams. We knew it wasn't going to be in the 28 to 30 million that the other games fell in, but to hit 23 million, including the 3 million uh, local audience watching on on television, uh, I think that's a big success story. And after all, history tells us that, game Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs was the most streamed event in American history uh, that's something to build on isn't it well of course it is and and luckily given the dolphin performance uh, you know there were five or ten million people that would have watched it on traditional television they were spared the disaster so that's a good thing from football's perspective but uh, in all seriousness it's something great to build on we're going to see it on a regular basis. And the NFL's, you know, outlier to create another friend slash bidding partner in this whole world, and then couple it with uh, uh, the, you know, the Amazon deal and the Directv old deal. It bids up everybody, so it's a win-win for everybody. We're talking to Rick Horo, the sport professor, visiting sport business expert at Harvard University here on the Sport Market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, Rick, what did you make of uh, Stephen A. Smith's comments that? This was a layup for Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys to pursue Bill Belichick. Instead, it looks like Mike McCarthy, based on the regular season records, 12 and 5, you know, two times in a row, it makes sense. 
But what did you make of such an explicit call for Jerry Jones to have gone with a new head coach, i.e. the most winningest coach in Super Bowl history? Well, I would discount Stephen Smith's comments because he, he, he speaks loud and he speaks quickly. And, you know, I speak loud and quickly. That doesn't mean you have the inner workings of the Cowboys uh, in mind. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I assume all the pundits line up that way as well. One thing about Jerry Jones is he's immensely loyal. You know, Jason Garrett was the head coach at the Cowboys for 900 years, and, and that's, you know, the way he lives uh, his, his uh, coaching life. And it was last year of his contract. Now it's easy to uh, um, say that uh, he could pay off his last year. That's not the reason he, he did this. But, you know, he chose him. And I, maybe it's too much ego that, you know, he chose him. He's going to give him one more chance. Um, you know, look, the last couple of years, they were shoe-ins for Super Bowl consideration. Didn't work. This year, maybe no one's going to give him a chance. And maybe they get there. I mean, who knows? Who would have thought uh, three months ago that the Bills at 6-6 six and six or in my mind, the odds-on favorites to win the Super Bowl as long as they keep playing at home in that tundra you call upstate New York. <laughs> and we do call it uh, a tundra of upstate uh, New York because we know tundra when we see it here north of the border. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Hey, listen, we're going to ask you to stick with us. Uh, want to ask you about our gold medal story on the podium funded by Alpine Credits, uh, Sports Illustrated. It's a biggie. We love your thoughts just around the corner, if you can bear with us. Well, I can, I've, I've, I've born with you for, you know, years. What's another three minutes? <laughs> there we go. More of the sport professor, Rick Horro, coming up right here on the sport market. We'll also hear from our collectibles guru, our trading card expert, Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. And then we got the sport market power rankings as well. It's all coming your way right here on the sport market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to The Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Mayonect. Missed free throw by Grant. And here's Siakam. He uses that screen from Turner. Raise up. Perfect. He can do that from right there. And he couldn't do that. When he first came into the league, he wasn't proficient with it. He's had years in the league now. He's quite proficient. The first bucket by Pascal Siakam, Spicy P, as an Indiana Pacer. It's a big sport business storyline, not just in Toronto, but for basketball fans across the country, simply because there are now zero. There are now no players left on this uh, Raptors team who are part of the 2019 NBA champions, winners of the Larry O.B. It's a storyline and an evolution that you'd be able to typically pick up in Sports Illustrated. Over the years, basketball fans, uh, hockey fans, baseball fans, football fans, even soccer fans got their fill with Sports Illustrated. And Sports Illustrated is on the podium. It is our gold medal story, and it's a potentially you know, sad one and, and nostalgic one, especially for baby boomers, with the news that Authentic Brands Group that owns the copyright, owns the trademark, owns the license to publish Sports Illustrated, they've revoked it from Arena Group. And an email goes out on Friday to all employees indicating that there'll be 
Almost all of them, if not all of them, laid off. Later in the day, Arena Group says that they're going to continue to publish while continuing discussions with authentic brands. And the big question is, is there an angel? Is there a golden knight that is willing to take on Sports Illustrated and keep it going, building on its 70 years? Rick Horrell, like myself, a baby boomer, like myself, connected for years with Sports Illustrated. Uh, Rick, what was your reaction, first of all, when you heard the news on Friday about this potential death again of Sports Illustrated? Well, obviously, say it ain't so. But the bigger perception I have is, and they're negotiating. I mean, you could tell from the back and forth that's what it is. But I'm hoping it's a successful negotiation because it's still a fundamentally wonderful asset. The more important question that goes to that one is, do we care about magazines anymore? Now, I know Sports Illustrated is primarily also communicated by uh, by uh, the Internet and by on, on, on devices. And for those of you who are listening, yeah, they're, they're – there is something called a magazine. You know, you pick it up, you look at it. It has pages that are not like newspaper print. And then, you know, God forbid you'd collect it. Like I have, you know, every Sports Illustrated issue for years. And a lot of us do, even those of us who are, you know, much older than me, like my host, co-host here. But, you know, more important than any of that is that uh, are we witnessing, you know, the death of the publishing industry slowly one time at one spot at a time? can't tell you how many friends of mine in the industry used to be beat writers for their respective teams. And because they were slow to or chose not to make the conversion to digital and all of the rules with digital, quicker deadlines, etc., they're now, uh, you know, looking for jobs. And it's not just the sports writers and newspaper uh, people in the sports department. There are a whole you know, bunch of, of, of newspapers that are gone, obviously. And you know, we have very few magazines that are living just because people would kind of rather read them. But that's a small number. And that's the fundamental question. The revoking of the of the uh, legal protection is a subset of the bigger question. The New York Times company stepped up and basically acquired The Athletic uh, to keep it publishing and integrating it into its overall platform. Uh, do you think there's an appetite or an, and even some capacity at New York Times company or a similar uh, 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 publishing platform to come in here and, 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 and take on the license and, and move forward? Yeah, and the example you mentioned is a good one because, remember, The Athletic was founded uh, you know, in the modern day where there was no newspaper such as, you know, called the or or magazine called The Athletic. There were way back when, but not this one. Sporting news. Remember that? I mean, they were old and it's still around there somewhere. But, uh, you know, again, the appetite depends on demand. Demand depends on information. Information in this context doesn't have to be uh, in a newspaper where you get all the print uh, over your hands. I don't know if anybody remembers that as as listeners. But information is king, and Athletic is a great purveyor of it. There are a few other uh, companies that do things. Let's just hope that, you know, the Sports Illustrated content uh, survives because it is one in a million, and it used to be the big, and it still is the big. And, and you know, most of us uh, remember it, and I know you when you, you know, it started. Were you uh, – were, were you, were you 
Were you around for Gutenberg and the, and the printing press? <laughs> I was around for ink on my uh, on my hands yeah. as a paper boy for the Gazette in Montreal and then the Montreal Star. And at one point, I had three paper routes. The Daily Express in Montreal as well, and so I I I got that gray that gray ink on my on my hands as a as a little guy, and that's why this conversation is one baby boomer to another. Rick, we appreciate yeah. those uh, those perspectives. I don't go quite far as back as Gutenberg, but listen, thanks for the extended visit. Have a terrific rest of the weekend, and we'll check in with you again next week. And by the way, real quick, um, I don't know if you're going to make it over to Toronto, but I'll be there for the entire All-Star Weekend. So maybe there's something we should do around that. So let's give it some thought. Sounds great. Really appreciate that, Rick. He is the sport professor on his way to NHL All-Star in Toronto uh, the weekend of February 3rd. Ken Richardson is our collectibles guru, our trading card expert. He's going to weigh in on some hot stuff. Hot stuff. What's hot in jerseys, merchandising, and licensing on the sport market? It is Hockey Day in Canada. NHL team jerseys are hot. Now, no question, NFL jerseys have become a lot popular, a lot more popular. The Raptors and the Blue Jays sell a lot of jerseys across the country, but there's no hotter proposition in Canada than NHL jerseys, and they're all in the spotlight on this Hockey Day in Canada. And to break it down for us, we're joined by our collectibles guru, our trading card expert, Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. Uh, Ken, would it be safe to say that you add up all the other leagues and it doesn't equal the National Hockey League in terms of uh, NHL jerseys sold here uh, at retail? I would definitely agree with that, uh, certainly for any city that has one of the franchises. Well, and and you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Montreal Canadiens have typically been one, two in 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 reverse order. The year that the Habs uh, made it to the Stanley Cup final, just a, just two or three 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 years ago, uh, they were number one. Leafs were number two. Uh, it flips back and forth. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks have done very, very well with their jersey sales, and that goes back uh, uh, about a decade. But it's interesting because I saw a stat that. Alternate jerseys have more airtime and more sales in Canada than in the United States. Would that also uh, surprise you, just given the appetite for different applications of, a, of an NHL's uh, Canadian brand? Uh, I think there's a lot more heritage uh, in the Canadian brands. For example, the, the, the 94 logo for the Vancouver Canucks is, you know, outsells the current one, even uh, in my locations. And I think that can be said, uh, you know, people wanting to relive those old days that they something like that. So that's where we see a lot of those third Jersey, you know, uh, renditions of. Ken, I want to just shift from that hot stuff take in terms of Canadian NHL uh, jerseys. And, of course, uh, number 88, uh, uh, William Nylander, he sold a lot of jerseys. Number 34, Austin Matthews of the Leafs uh, sells a lot of jerseys. And then we've got Quinn Hughes, number 43, and uh, Elias Pettersson, number 40, uh, among the hottest-selling jerseys. Uh, Five Canucks on their way to the All-Star Game in Toronto uh, next week. But I want to pivot from that 
to something else that falls in the category of hot stuff this week. The Tom Brady Bowman Superfractor, uh, $158,600 U.S. at Golden Auction for something that really is contextualized in 1995. It's the what-if, one-of-one Tom Brady card, not New England Patriots, not Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not NFL at all, but his Major League Baseball card uh, where he was drafted back in 95 by the Montreal Expos. Are you surprised that something so recent was able to command uh, almost 160000 U.S. dollars at Golden Auction? Yeah, it is really quite remarkable that a, a modern day, never <laughs> a card that was, you know, out just a number of weeks, not even multiple months, was able to fetch such a large amount of dollars. But Tom Brady is one of those autographs that really hasn't been overdone in the hobby. It's always been something very, very difficult. And, you know, there is no other baseball official autograph cards to him. So it's really something quite unique. Ken, last one for you. Uh, all kinds of media uh, talk, uh, tongues were wagging about um, this renovation taking place at a Cape Cod house, a house in Cape Cod, uh, where the owner found an unopened uh, baseball card package from 1952. It still said one cent and it included the stick of gum and one picture card. Uh, your advice to people in similar situations, do they keep it wrapped or do they break it? I definitely recommend keeping really anything just in the state that it that it's in. Uh, that's truly a remarkable find. And the fact that the the person that found it had the wherewithal not to not to just open it up and and see what it was uh, is is really <laughs> remarkable as well. You know that's that's truly a really really rare piece. Um, you know, people just didn't save packs in the day. Even the even the wrappers have a great deal of value because it's just not something that was, uh, you know, put away and saved. Ken, so appreciate you stopping by on Hockey Day in Canada. It's also a big weekend for the National Football League with its divisional playoffs down to the final eight of the 32 that began the campaign. Uh, we'll check in with you again next week and look forward to co-hosting Pastime Radio, the collectible show with you on the Sportsnet Radio Network uh, later on. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. He is Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. You can reach him at Ken at PastimeSports.ca. All kinds of stuff on the other side, including our power rankings, the sport market power rankings, where we blend the wins and losses, the winning streaks, with the business side of things and let you know the five hottest franchises in North American professional sport. But before we get there... We're going to take out a lighter side take on the business of sport. The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650 presents The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. 
disappointing wild card weekend. Who'd have thought the Detroit Lions would save playoff football? Lions in all blue. When they went into the end zone, it was Boise State-ish. And here they are now, and they're entertaining us. Last time Detroit won a playoff game, Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit was climbing the billboard chart. I saw some talking heads saying the Cowboys should hire Bill Belichick because he gives them the best chance to win big. Why? Is Tom Brady coming out of retirement? Chiefs beat the Dolphins in the third coldest game in NFL history. You know, Tua was born and raised in Hawaii, college in Alabama, pros in Miami. He was a fish out of water in KC. And did you see a reporter ask Tampa Bay head coach Todd Bowles if he prepared his team for the weather because it's minus seven in Detroit this weekend? Um, Ford Field is indoors. It's all about that 20-second walk from the bus, I guess. You've been listening to The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson, a special feature of the sport market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com slash the sport market. Now more of the sport market, rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. It's easy when everything's going right, you're winning games, guys are around, they all love it, you want to be a part of it, but when you... When you uh, are 0 10 and 1, you find out about people. You find out about players and coaches, people in the organization. And so that's why you have the best perception of what those people are and how they're made and what drives them and what they're willing to do for those around them. Uh, that's a much better viewpoint and look at people than when everything's going great, you got 12 wins, you're blah, blah, blah. Um, so. He's one of those guys. I know exactly what he is when it's at its worst. And I'll take that guy any day. Dan Campbell, head coach of the Detroit Lions. One of the two teams that will have a lot of Canadian eyeballs on them this NFL divisional round playoff weekend. Of course, it's also Hockey Day in Canada, so a lot of fan engagement and and viewership over these next uh, 12 hours and change. But from an NFL point of view, make no mistake, the Detroit Lions and the Buffalo Bills are one and two. Uh, Let's flip that order. Uh, Bills number one, Lions number two in terms of uh, connectivity with fans in southern Ontario. When the Seattle Seahawks make the playoffs, they're right up there as well because of proximity to British Columbia and Alberta. Uh, The border franchises really drive a lot of fan engagement among Canadians. Uh, You've got the Minnesota Vikings also falling into that category in a big way. you got to like what's happening in Detroit uh, for years the butt of jokes, uh, the worst team in the National Football League. Now they're making Ford Field a, a dynamic factor in these NFL playoffs. The Lions, of course, had the division. They hosted the L.A. Rams, took care of them in a very entertaining, uh, 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 hard-fought contest. Now... You've got them hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend. And, of course, Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills, very much in the Canadian NFL fan um, uh, mindset as well this weekend. Watch for those TV numbers to be number one and two among the divisional games. Having said that, the Heritage Band showdown of the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers, that will be something on television as a Dallas a Dallas-San uh, Francisco a divisional final would have been the cat's meow. 
Let's check out the five hottest franchises in North American professional sport. The Sport Market Power Rankings, the hottest performing franchises in North American professional sports. Our power rankings combine the wins and losses with the business side of things. Everything from franchise valuation to annual revenues and more. And on that note, honorable mention to the Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. Their Forbes valuation is $5.5 billion. They're now in the final eight in the NFL playoffs. They're going to be in tough against Lamar Jackson and the $4.63 billion Baltimore Ravens. But under Stroud's Breakthrough performance, breakthrough season, they've taken it to another level. Also, honorable mention in the NBA to three teams who've won eight of their last ten, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the LA Clippers, and the Utah Jazz. And in the NHL, the Flyers have won five straight, the Tampa Bay Lightning have won four straight, the Winnipeg Jets are nine and one in their last ten on 62 points, their Forbes valuation $775 million. But the $1.32 billion Vancouver Canucks are at the top of the charts. They've got 64 points. They've reached 30 wins in the fastest time in franchise history. They're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. But none of them are part of this week's Power 5. Number 5. It's the Boston Celtics of the Association, 7-3 and three in their last 10, 32-9 going into the weekend at the top of the Eastern Conference where they've got a four-game lead. Number 4. It's Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers, the $4.6 billion community-owned Green Bay Packers playing in the smallest market in the NFL. That doesn't stop them from gaining a projected $577 million a year in annual revenues. Number three. It's the Edmonton Oilers in third place. They're not only the hottest team in the National Hockey League, where they've won 12 straight, now 25-15-1 going into the weekend on 51 points, but they're also the hottest franchise in all of North American professional sport on the ice. Their Forbes valuation, $1.85 billion. Number two. It's the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions. Jared Goff's Detroit Lions. They're valued by Forbes at $3.6 billion. But what the fans care about most is that they're in the divisional round hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Lions are favored to win at home at Ford Field. They're valued at $3.6 bill. Number one. For the second consecutive week, it's the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, they're valued at $3.1 billion, having won last week in the wildcard round against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're hosting the Kansas City Chiefs, which means it's Patrick Mahomes' first on-the-road playoff game in his career. So the Bills, number one. The Lions, number two. The Edmonton Oilers, number three. The Green Bay Packers, fourth. And... The Boston Celtics, fifth. It's the first time ever that the Detroit Lions have been in our sport market power rankings. They are one of the smaller business units in the entire National Football League. But in Canada, especially London, Windsor, uh, uh, those markets... Uh, they are really connected to NFL fans in that part of southern Ontario. Uh, We mentioned the connectivity of the the border franchises and how there's a lot of fans on this side of the border of those teams. You've got Mayor Drew Dilkins of of Windsor. Uh, They're 
basically uh, raising a Detroit Lions flag at City Hall out of support for their city next door on the other side of the river. That's this hour of the sport market. Of course, you can check it all out and you can follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. Appreciate you being along for the ride as we've been rating, debating the bulls and bears of sport business.